Welcome to a special edition of the Health Leaders Podcast, commemorating Workforce Week. I'm Melanie Blackman, a contributing editor for Health Leaders. My guest for today's episode is Maxine Carrington, the Chief People Officer at Northwell Health. In today's episode, Maxine shares insights on HR for a changing healthcare workforce, including the importance of culture, keeping up with current recruitment and retention trends, and effectively making organizational change as an HR leader. So without further ado, please enjoy our conversation. Well, Maxine, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's a great honor to speak with you. Uh, Melanie, thanks so much. Good to meet you and really appreciate the opportunity. How has human resources and the importance of workplace culture changed over your career, especially at Northwell? You know, Northwell has always, to me, been unique. And I remember, I think earlier in career, like many people, you don't expect to stay anywhere for too long, (laughs) or at least generationally. Um, We've seen the shift, right? We know as different generations have a different view on how long they'll stay with a particular employer. And so I think when I came in, I, I wouldn't say I had one foot out the door, but I never expected to be almost 15 years with any one employer. But I think our context has changed. Our name has changed. uh, We've gotten bigger. The landscape has changed. So there's been so much change in the broader environment, broader landscape, if you will, of healthcare, the industry, and then our own organization. And so I think HR has to always be evolving in any context, right? So as the place in which HR exists is evolving, HR has to be evolving as well so that you're relevant and whatever services, programs, processes are in place, it's resonating with what the business needs. What I've seen in HR is a few things, and I'll speak just generally, certainly about my organization, but just generally. So greater sophistication, certainly. Um, more data-driven, you know, as the tools get better to give us insights. And as we have more access to insights, it has helped HR better target decision-making and strategies, right, with better data, better tools. So I think there's been evolution there. What we focused on, I think for, there was a great period of time, you know, if you think back to the personnel days, there was a focus on getting people paid, certainly the regulatory compliance pieces. We saw a big evolution toward the science of experience, right? What kind of experience do you create for your team members because that's going to differentiate you from others and help with retention and attraction. So I I think we saw that shift. I think approaching the pandemic, certainly during the pandemic and after, there's a huge focus on workforce planning, right? Looking at the supply of labor more intentionally, more carefully, uh, more strategically, the supply of labor today and tomorrow. And how do we do things in a very fiscally responsible way, more efficiently, And differently, looking in healthcare, you look at care models, right? Are the care models of yesterday the care models of today? Probably not. How does technology play a role as well? Now we've got the introduction of, you know, generative AI and robotic process automation. That's having an impact on work and the necessity for skill sets, the necessity for the number of people. Maybe we don't need the same number of people in this space anymore because technology helps fill that need, that gap. And we can shift that resourcing elsewhere, let's say. 
So I think you're seeing just a general innovation occurring, sophistication happening as a result of new, you know, greater access to tools and insights. And then you're also seeing a shift in what we primarily focus on, workforce planning. And that's inclusive, I should mention, of succession planning, things like that as well. And certainly equity, diversity, and inclusion, belonging. So I think that is the kind of a primary area of focus now, workforce planning. So that's certainly the changes I've experienced over time. Changes in the landscape, changes in the environment, and then adjacent change in HR. Absolutely. Thank you. You know, with the ever-changing landscape of human resources, especially in healthcare post-pandemic, I mean, even before then, we were talking about staff recruitment and retention and battling those workforce shortages. Mm -hmm. So not a stranger to those areas, especially (laughs) now. How are you leading initiatives around Mm -hmm. those pain points at Northwell? You know, one of the things I'm grateful for is, you know, Northwell has always had a focus on culture first. And so, you know, even when we do M&A, the conversation for us with a potential partner, um, hospital or practice or whatever type of acquisition, merger, um, it starts with culture. We don't start with, you know, uh, let's look at your policies and change them tomorrow. (laughs) It's let's talk about your values. Let's talk about what's important to you. What are the behavioral commitments? What's your culture like? Like that's where the conversation starts for us. And I think that helped us through the pandemic in terms of morale, certainly, and retention. Our turnover never went up that high relative to others nationally and locally. And I think the differentiator for us was how much we demonstrate a level of caring and investment in our workforce, our team members. So I think culture always helped us. And if we didn't have that in place, uh, we would not have been (laughs) in a great place uh, or relatively great place. Uh, Notwithstanding challenges, certainly, we weren't the worst off, I would say. Uh, So that was number one. The other thing that worked for us was we created our own staffing agency a few years ago. And that has just proven to add so much value. One, it allows team members to have gig work opportunities within our own staffing agency so they don't have to go elsewhere, but also for filling, you know, short term gaps. Uh, So that has helped. And it's also revenue producing our staffing agency staffs for other companies as well. Non-competitors, of course, but (laughs) they staff for other companies. And so that has helped us meet the short term needs and recruitment. You know, we actually brought in one of our operators to lead recruitment for us, to lead talent acquisition, because we said, you know, it would be great to bring a customer mindset in you know, a leader who has been a customer to our recruitment function and an operator to look at this. When you look at our scale, we're almost 86,000 people just employed, not to mention volunteers, volunteers, et cetera, and ventures. Let's bring in an operator to really look at this, look at our infrastructure and where we should be focusing our effort. And that was important. The leadership piece to keep the recruitment team, the talent acquisition team stable, that was important. Now let's look at the recruitment strategy. How do we get more targeted and where we recruit, who we recruit to and how? How do we raise the visibility of the brand to make us more attractive? 
and you know, I pretty much gave them uh, the team a charge. I said, be out there more than anyone else. So they're at every street fair, every concert, <laughs> every park, every house, uh, you know, house of worship. We're in the community, having a relationship with the communities where we service, where we where we serve, and that has been helpful, right? Partnering with schools, all of that. And then the longer term pipeline. So the partnerships we have with multiple organizations, community organizations, schools, as early as middle school, high school, that's been important too. And then the last I'd say is just to focus on retention, not just recruitment. So we really look at our data to see where we've got hot spots. We try to understand why we're vulnerable. And then we try to address those vulnerabilities to ensure that we're retaining. And I think all of those things have helped. You know, our, our uh, turnover has come back down to our pre-pandemic numbers very quickly. And I think all of those pieces and certainly a little bit more um, have definitely proven helpful to us. I mean, the data says it all. Your intentionality with the recruitment and retaining strategies are really awesome. And, and it sounds like, you know, you're doing well as an organization. So well done. No, well, thank you. And look, there are always hot spots and we're not completely out of the woods and <laughs> we have our challenges, but we always have to step back and say, look, um, we're doing thankfully better than others. And that positions you to just be in a different place as you seek to address the challenges you do have. Right. So I'm really grateful. And then the partnership with our operators. I mean, we have amazing team members, amazing leaders. It's not like it's only an HR thing. <laughs> Everyone wants to step in and help and be part of the solution. And I think that helps us too, the leadership. Absolutely. And then how do you effectively make change in your organization as mm -hmm. the chief people officer? <laughs> you know, we're grateful. We stood up within HR a few years ago, a change management function. It uh, We did spin it off into our enterprise. So they don't only support HR anymore. Though we have people dedicated to HR, they support the whole organization because we know that change is constant, of course. In healthcare, there's so much change. <laughs> and so they really come at it. They've become so expert and they think about the psychology of change, right? And that means everything from how you communicate change, the words you use to communicate, the timing, how you assess people's readiness for change as well. They've really gotten more sophisticated and refined in, in that assessment, which helps us determine how much we push change, to what degree and how. And they partner with like our internal communications teams and our marketing teams and our finance teams and, and so many others. So uh, one, having a dedicated function that they study this thing, they become expert at it <laughs> and help guide the rest of us has given us the right infrastructure to better effectuate change. And then some of the tactics, you know, I always say to folks, particularly in my role, I always contemplate the psychology. Where is someone today? What's their change? Where are they on the change curve? How resistant are they? Because I'm listening, right? Take technology. Technology is changing rapidly. There are tech fears that exist. Uh, change is needed to get people over their tech fears and to adopt you know, whatever the change is going to be. And so the ability to kind of listen closely and look at actions and listen to words to assess where someone is on a change curve is very important. 
And then, you know, I always say to folks, it's not enough to just articulate the why <laughs> change is important. You also have to articulate what will happen if we don't change. And I think that is an important distinction. Many times people will talk about the why for the change. They don't talk about the what will happen if we don't. And I have found in my experience, that's a bigger justification for change than just the why. You've got to go a step further of if we do not change, this is what's going to happen. So I think personally that has been helpful. I think also just identifying you know, who your key stakeholders are, who has influence, who's going to be impacted, who are your credible messengers that you can help to be advocates and ambassadors uh, for the message, right? I think those things have been helpful as well. And so we really do try to put a good process to it and a thoughtful process in driving any change. Uh, and I'm grateful for the support of our change <laughs> management team for sure. Absolutely. It sounds like it's, you know, organizational wide and not just siloed into that's right. HR. That's um, right. That's right. It was incubated in HR, but then it was spun off, obviously, to support everyone as much as possible. And then there's it just becomes a way, right, that you pause before making a change to say, wait, this could have an impact. Uh, let me be thoughtful. Let me look at data. <laughs> let me get insights, you know, and let me get support as well to to make sure it, it has the intended effect. And what advice do you have for aspiring HR leaders? Uh, one is this aspect of learning, uh, that you never allow yourself to get stale. And learning takes on multiple shapes. It's not always you know, formal <laughs> classes. It's learning through conversations. It's podcasts, it's books, it's looking at your environment, studying your environment. So I think having a learning mindset keeps you open to the growth and the change that has to happen within, for sure. And it enables you to never get stagnant. Uh, creativity is a bone, I tell people, <laughs> to develop uh, the creativity bone. Uh, it helps with innovation. So anything that allows you to turn that aspect of yourself on to become more creative allows you to become more innovative. So I think that's important. And then networking and building relationships. Uh, it benefits you from a growth standpoint. It helps you to contribute and help others get better. And then it certainly helps the organization get better. Uh, so those are just a few things in terms of advice uh, that I would give to aspiring HR leaders. Oh, that's wonderful advice. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Maxine, thank you so much for joining me and taking the time to speak with me and sharing your expertise on the podcast. Melanie, thank you again for the opportunity. And uh, on behalf of Northwell, uh, thank you and thank you to all of your listeners as well. And thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.